I think joy is meant to flavor the Christian life. It's just as much a sin not to rejoice as it is not to repent. Well, howdy, everybody. Welcome to the Recovering Hypocrite podcast. I am, as always, uh, your host and the chief recovering hypocrite around these parts, Noel Jesse Hakenin. And today, I have my friend from down under, Adam Ramsey, on uh, the podcast. And Adam and I have a, a common distinction that we are both racing to preach on every continent, uh, it, we always said except one, and we both have five under our belts right now. So, Adam, first of all, just howdy. Thanks for having me, Noel. Second of all, what continent are you missing? So, so I'm missing South America. So I got to preach on all the other ones except for South America, and you're missing Australia. And so, and then we're uh, we're both missing. Antarctica. There it so is. we had actually <laughs> talked about either meeting in Australia or uh, southern tip of South America and trying to make sure we can knock off the seventh at the same time. I still think somehow we got to make that happen. Like, I got to come to Australia and preach, then I'll meet you in South America, or you got to come to South America and we'll meet in Australia. We got to do it. And then our wives are just going to have to suck up the $10,000 bill it's going to cost us to go to Antarctica. <laughs> Yeah, we got to find some people to preach to. It's going to happen. There's a little there's a little Russian chapel in Antarctica. There's a little, na- little Navy chapel or something down there. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. So Adam um, is a pastor at Liberty Church in the Gulf Coast. It's not called the Gulf Coast. No, no, Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Gold Coast. Gold Coast. Gold Coast is the name of the city in Australia. And he is the network director for Acts 29's Australia and New Zealand network, as well as uh, Japan for a, a short period of time until Japan is able to spin off from their uh, wife, Christina, five kids, all that. And Adam is one of the most fun people that I know. In fact, uh, uh, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on the podcast is this this odd moment I had when I went to your website. And the very first thing that pops up on your website, it says, Jesus, Joy, Community, Mission. Yeah. And I, in that moment, I thought to myself, okay, do I know of a single church that has joy in their mission statement. Now, I, I tried not to do any searches for that, but I couldn't come up with one. Mm. In fact, I, I, tons with Jesus, tons with community, tons with mission, not a single one with joy. And I was like, we need to have a conversation about that um, because you are infectious <laughs> um, in your joy. And, and, and I'm just curious, like, I just want to have the conversation about joy with you. So like, how did that end up in the mission statement of the church? Like, how was that from the beginning, the get go? Was that just a shtick? Did somebody say, oh, you're a joyful guy? I mean, how did it end up in the mission statement? The real story. No, that's good. So I think, I think joy is meant to flavor the Christian life. I mean, I think it's one of those things that doesn't really belong in the emotional category uh like like some of the other emotions we might experience but it's something that something that we're, com- we're commanded to over and over and over i think it was even one of the puritans uh john trapp who said um uh it, it is how frequently this is commanded to rejoice in the lord uh again and again through the scriptures it is just as much a sin not to rejoice as it is not to repent and it's it's mm. a it's a it's just it gives us a little bit more framework there, um, and and so when we planted liberty, we 
we plant liberty is just a Latin word that means freed people. And so uh, the, the, the language, the flavor, the background uh, of a people who really believe that they have been set free from sin and death and have life eternal with a foretaste of that now, um, we, we should be a rejoicing people like the New Testament instructs. You know, it makes me wonder, you know, if, if you know, you, you said, oh, the scripture talks about this all the time, and then you use the word rejoice. And I wonder how many people actually even ever think about the fact that joy is the root word yeah. in rejoice. Yeah. Even the way we sing rejoice in some hymns feels so stoic and, and, and dry, and yet rejoice is about joy. That's right. And, and it's crazy when we, we betray the truth of our message. Uh, with our tone of um, joylessness uh, or dryness uh, or just kind of good theology but dead good theology that never gets to the point of actually delighting in the God who the theology is describing. And so mm-hmm. so in our singing uh, at our church and in our family and uh, our singing, our living, we want it to be flavored by joy because, again, the joy isn't in the circumstances, right? That's the stuff that's always changing. Uh, the joy is in the Lord, and that is constant and uh, yeah, like a laser beam of consistency for us. Yeah, so what is your most um, s- simple definition of joy? I, look, I think joy is something that can sit underneath every other human experience, uh, from the high highs to the low lows. Uh, I mean, it's totally compatible with suffering totally compatible with suffering. Uh, so, so maybe I would define joy uh, as, a, I, I would weave it pretty closely, Noel, to biblical themes like union with Christ, assurance, um, uh, security in Christ. There's a sense there of because I know that I, as a believer, am in Christ Jesus, right? The most frequent way we're referred to in the New Testament, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Because I am in Christ, that's my source of of security and gratefulness and cheerfulness. Uh, I'm in him, even as I'm in all these varying, fluctuating circumstances around me. Um, So so I would define it as a deep sense of security uh, of who Jesus is for me that then flavors the way I live my life. Yeah, it makes me even go right to the Christmas Carol, Joy to the World. Mm. The idea that joy to the world is 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 about our position in Christ and all that He has done for us, and it can sit underneath our circumstances despite our pain and all of that. That's right. Throw that out there and say that is what Jesus brought. Yeah. Uh, at, at Christmas time, when we sing joy to the world, absolutely, absolutely. Jesus, like, man, we particularly some of us reformed guys. I think sometimes we can get this idea of Jesus in our head that just isn't isn't true to the Jesus of the Bible. I mean, Jesus Jesus was delightful. Like if he was the perfectly pers- perfect person, right? The, the perfection of all humanity there. Uh, is it fair to say he was enjoyable to be around? Uh, like there's a reason he had some of the reputation he had, friend of sinners and, and tax collectors and gluttons and and it's just like, like he got invited to a lot of parties for a reason. And, and I, you know, he, he, his life, I think if I look at the life of Jesus, there was a flavor. Uh, and that flavor is this one of an, a deep sense of assurance, security. He knew he was 
And, and I would say that's what joy is as it radiates out of our lives. It makes me think of maybe he gave the nickname Sons of Thunder based on some inside joke to a couple of his disciples that we'll never know. Like maybe they were camping and they farted a lot or something like that. You know, it just, it, you know maybe there's a whole other layer there yes. uh, that we don't even get. Yes. So, and sometimes people will say, well, wasn't Jesus the man of sorrows? You know, Isaiah 53. And it's like, yeah, that's a tight, like that's, that's not a general description of his every day. That's a... That's a gospel description of his specific day, that final day when he went to the cross. It's not like he was perpetually bummed. Like that's not <laughs> right, Jesus. Like, like, like he had a stick up his butt the whole time he was he was he was in his incarnation. And and I think that, you know, I think that that is the the distinction between happiness and joy is really that happiness is always tethered to circumstance. And joy, by its very definition, must be uh, untethered from circumstance. Absolutely. Yeah. When you and I first had this scheduled, um, we were going to record a number of weeks ago, and uh, our mutual friend, uh, Darren Patrick, passed away, and just awful, Mm. tragic circumstances. Mm. And you shot me a note and said, hey, can we just postpone? Because we were both going through uh, the sorrow of that. Yeah. But in these deeply sorrowful moments, like even Amy, Darren's wife, some of the stuff that she posted online, I would describe as joy. And And if you think that joy is the same thing as happiness, you just don't understand the Christian life, the fact that Amy can be deeply, yes, deeply, irrevocably for the rest of her life changed in, in, in a sorrowful way because of what happened. Yes. Um, and at the same time, she can have abiding joy that oozes out in her social media posts about Darren. That's right. And that, man, that was one of the most profound, um, distinct Christian witness. That, I mean, Amy showed it. Um, it, it, it came out. Uh, came out, I think, through through Darren's son uh, in something that he posted mm, on Twitter right, as well. There. Right. Um, so, you know, there's. I mean, the Bible talks about there's a time for uh, weeping, right? There's a time for lamenting. There's a time for rejoicing. So, so we we get it, and we want to be sensitive to seasons and and say uh, sometimes the appropriate thing is to just lament, to grieve. Um, now, that's not incompatible with joy. Um, and that's what we're saying is there, there is something in the accent of Christians going through suffering that when they speak, there's this undergirding flavor, accent, tone of joy. And mm. and that came out uh, through some of the stuff around Darren. But but suffering and joy are not incompatible. Uh, they, are, they are not opposites. I mean, there's many, many times I can think of in the New Testament alone, where joy and suffering are spoken of in the exact same sentence, right? You think of Hebrews 12, that Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? Endured the cross. Endured the cross. Despising its shame is now seated at the right hand of God. So so joy and suffering. You think of the example Jesus gave in John uh, 16, um, and it's the example of a woman in labor, right? And says that her, her, her time has come and now she's in sorrow because that time has come. But the moment she's delivered this baby, she remembers her anguish uh, no more for the joy, right? And he uses that word for the joy that a human being has been brought into the world. And, and I think the point Jesus is trying to make there uh, is that 
the joy has a way of sitting underneath her pain and then even in the midst of pain rising to the surface now the pain doesn't mm. go away right the woman who's just had a baby she is still in pain the pain is still there but the joy is sitting underneath it and it can rise to the surface and eclipse the pain and for the moment there there's a sense of i know this is what god has given me and i can trust him I can rest in him. I can thank him. Uh, and this was, I think, the powerful witness of Christian martyrs through history, is this ability to rejoice even in the midst of great trial and pain. So as we're talking about this, what's, what I'm thinking about is the number of commands. You know, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Those sorts of commands. How does a follower of Christ posture themselves to take that as a command that they should obey? Because it, it almost seems like the way we're talking about it here is it's something that is, it sits underneath us, it, it, it invades our being, the way you said it, it just kind of leaks out and rises to the surface. It's almost like the way we're, you and I have been describing it here is it's almost like it's something that is being infused onto us, like the grace so of God. So much something that belongs in but the how emotional do we take category. That then as a command? It's Does something that, that belongs we, in the moral uh, category. Just put on a and the reason it happiness mm, yeah all of a sudden? No. I mean, like how do how do we obey that as a command mm. and I, well i think we remember that it is a command and so if it's a command then it's not a, so much something that belongs in the emotional category it's something that belongs in the moral category and the reason it can belong in the moral category is because the command is not hey be happy like it's not you know, it's, just, it's not <laughs> right. just don't worry be yeah. happy and like something horrible has happened hey just buck up cheer up be happy i mean that's that's not what the bible is commanding when it says to rejoice when we look at where that that rejoicing is grounded in it's rejoice philippians 31 in the lord uh and then philippians 4 again rejoice again i say rejoice and then the next verse what does he say for the lord is at hand so mm -hmm. so this this sense of rejoicing we can remind ourselves that we can rejoice in any kind of fluctuating circumstance because again like like you pointed out already our joy isn't tethered to the circumstance it's anchored in christ and this is where we as christians uh, i think the way we do this and we don't drift into this kind of fatalistic oh maybe it'll just be automatic like no there's something that we decide there there's something that we do there and what we do is we preach the gospel to our hearts we remind ourselves of what's true about us because of who Christ is for us. And in that and from that comes the ability to rejoice in anything, in the face of anything. You know, I wonder um, when Scripture says that um, we are the aroma of Christ around those who are perishing. Mm. I wonder how uh, that, that's our works, mm. you know, our good deeds that are done um, not to gain salvation, but they're done because we're, uh, we're saved and we're able to do good works. I wonder if some of that is our joy, if some of the aroma of Christ among those who are perishing come in those moments where people s look at our circumstances and our joy seems incompatible with them, yeah. and if that is the aroma of Christ. Yeah, and, and maybe a way of looking at it, uh, I remember hearing Ray Ortland say once that the the Christian's always living in two locations, two geographies, if you will. We're in, wherever it is we're in, like our circumstance. I'm in the Gold Coast, you're in, in Michigan. 
uh, and that, Lord willing, once travel restrictions uh, ease out for both of us, will change, right? I mean, we're not always, every single moment of our existence, going to be in the Gold Coast and in Michigan. Um, but one thing that's never going to change, uh, at least in this lifetime, is we are never going to not be in the solar system. We will always be in the solar system. And so while our city geographies go up and down and change, there's a broader ultimate reality that we live in no matter what's changing around us. And in the same way, while our circumstances can change and go up and down and be good and bad and wonderful and awful, there's a deeper undergirding thing, which is uh, we are also in Christ Jesus. And, and I think what we need to learn to do, Noel, is to let the reality of our spiritual location in Christ Jesus give shape to the constantly changing circumstantial locations and and not the other way around because that's our tendency when things go bad is that shapes everything we do think say whatever and that's a natural response to that and that's where christianity is supernatural we remember who christ is for us and that shapes the way we live in the middle of all these things in this crazy world we live in for people who struggle with joy or the or you know even faithful followers of jesus who are not joyful mm. um is it primarily circumstance based is it primarily not remembering um that they are positionally in christ seated in the heavenlies um i mean i guess i'm asking the pastoral question i don't mm. think we can you know psychologically diagnose people but do you think sure. in your experience is it circumstance is it not remembering is it something else I think I think it could be so many things. To be honest, I mean, there's there's people's wiring, there's 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 depression and clinical anxiety and all these these different things that shape the people that you and I pastor. And so uh, I, I would never want to to use uh, the command of rejoice uh, as like a stick to to whack people with and make them <laughs> feel guilty. It's like the perfect opposite of what's being. It's it's like his his chocolate it's like be free it's like his chocolate and then beating someone with a block of chocolates no there's a better way right so i think what we're doing is we're we're posturing we're inviting people to look um not at themselves because if we if we're looking at ourselves whatever it is whether it's circumstance whether it's our individual kind of personality and wiring and proclivities and uh depression or anxiety or all these things if we're looking in the mirror um we're just not going to be a rejoicing people. Um, like we're not. And if we are, it's because we're pretending. Uh, now we're playing kind of happiness and emotions and, and just buck up, you know, sort of thing. Uh, I think what we want to keep inviting people into is to behold their God. And that's where, you know, David says it in Psalm 1611, um, you lead me on paths of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore, and and, and so we're 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 helping them look not at themselves, not at whatever it is that that is 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 kind of causing maybe a joylessness in their life, but hey, look with me again to Jesus. In His presence is maximal joy, fullness of joy. He's not stingy with it. He has some for you. He wants this for you. So let's look at Him together. And I think as we learn to do that. So maybe, yeah, in one sense, Noel, um, 
I mean, we are, we're forgetful creatures. I think all of us have, have spiritual amnesia um, and we, we have to keep, that's why we keep preaching the gospel to ourselves, right? We, we, we need to be right, reminded right. of that. So, right. so in one sense, I think, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a gospel issue that when we look at Jesus, that's where we find reasons to rejoice, even if, what, if we look at ourselves and what's happening around us isn't so many reasons there. So you planted the church in what year? Uh, we got back to Australia late 2014 from Seattle. Okay. So, wow. So like six years ago. And so at the time you planted your church, uh, putting that in your mission statement, Jesus, uh, joy, community mission was aspirational. Looking back over the last six years, do you mm. think it is part of the DNA of your church now? Is it more than aspirational? Has it really become who you are? Uh, definitely. So I, I just there there is a warmth when you walk into our church that there's there's a sense of people, man, they, they really care. They really they're glad you're there. And it's not kind of a surface level engagement. It's a genuine, warm welcome. It's it's an aroma of Christ. I miss it so much, man. I mean, video just Oh man, just, no kidding, right? Golly. It it doesn't do it. It doesn't do it. Doesn't even come close. And so Well um, let's let let's yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So, so we are, you know, obviously recording this in the middle of Shelter in Place Global Edition, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, historically unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, the fact that how do Christians right now, because both the introverts and the extroverts that I'm talking to, the circumstances are weighing on them heavy, and for some, it's spinning them off to the uh, in a political centrifuge to the edges. Mm. Um, for some, it is just missing people. Uh, for some, uh, it is fear. Uh, so, I mean, there is just this multifaceted um, emotional, you know, makeup of people these days. Yeah. How how do we in this particular circumstance? Um, how, how can we be joyful people? Mm. Well, I think we need to recognize which end of that spectrum you just described we're coming from, to, for starters. So, so we, we did a training with some of our church recently, uh, and, and just because we love to alliterate being preachers and all, um, we <laughs> talked about uh, uh, some people are just feeling a sense of blur, like life has just blurred together uh, and, and, and one day is kind of rolling into the next and even like where, where are the markers? And there seems to be an absence of, of helpful markers, uh, not just in the week, but down even into the day. Uh, like, oh, yeah. like, what like, day is it? What hour is it? Like, Did I eat lunch yet? Like, have I put on <laughs> pants yet? I mean, I mean, this is a marker <laughs> in the day that we're not used to. Right. So, um, so, so if you're coming from the, the, that side of the spectrum there, where it's just, everything's blurring together. What we need is things like help, helpful markers in the day and in the week that divide up the time and help us to slow down enough to set our eyes on Jesus, who is our joy, to know that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And so we talked about markers uh, with our church and markers like Sabbath, markers like family meals, um, markers like even um, some of Zach Eswine's stuff of breaking the day up. Into, oh yeah, into quadrants oh, yeah. and such. So you know that yeah. morning, morning grace and noonday wisdom and evening gratitude and so on and so forth. So some people who feel like their life is blurry right now, putting into into place markers that help them to stop and just 
preach the gospel to their heart, behold their God, remember the things that God has given them that they can be grateful for, which then changes the question from how long is this going to be like this to God, what do you want to do for me and in me through this time? Because uh, we don't know how long it's going to be. So, so, so now we're getting our eyes again off circumstances and ourselves and onto Jesus. Uh, and then you've got other people who don't feel a sense of blur. They feel a sense of blah. Like it's just like, oh, I've got no motivation. I just, I've got more time than I've ever had in my life. I don't even know. Still not wearing pants. Still not wearing pants. Both, <laughs> both sides aren't wearing pants. Um, <laughs> and, and there's just this like lack of rhythms. And, and so while the first person has got a sense of like everything's happening and they just need some markers to divide up the day, to refocus their life and to, you know, uh, re-stimulate joy. I think the second person needs some healthy rhythms. Uh, and that's just, you know, things like the spiritual disciplines, uh, things, things like, uh, you know, George Mueller said, my first priority every single day is to get my heart happy in the Lord. I mean, rhythms there that's just like oh that's i mean that's that is so helpful right there and you know some of that rule of life and and uh, uh um common rule uh, there's a great book around that um uh and i think probably the, the third one that we talked through because again you know alliteration and things coming through is blow blah and then just bloat um and the bloat that we're all feeling mm-hmm. is just a technology bloat um uh, just yeah. a lot of screen time uh our all our yeah all our iphone screen time reports is like yeah just they, they just don't even give us the report anymore it's just broken it's a million oh, percent. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> and and so just learning to to i think um embrace healthy limitations um and turning the phone off uh take take a oh. day every week take an hour every day and turn all your technology off and just sit and be present uh, with someone in your family, or, your, or if, you're, if you're living alone, uh, just be, be, have some time alone with a book or on a walk or something that allows you to just get away from technology. Some. Well, you know, I wonder if even just that that principle of Sabbath, uh, we need technology Sabbaths yes. right now. We need Zoom Sabbaths right now. And and one of the things I was thinking about earlier this afternoon, so is I, I actually I I when I during the normal work week back in the normal life, I would get just <laughs> back in the good really old days of in the good old days. I I would get yeah exactly right. Can you jeez exactly? I I was thinking, I, in the in the afternoon. I hit the I hit a wall about two thirty every day, and I would just kind of go walk around our church building, or I'd walk around our parking lot just for a few minutes, just to kind of get myself off it. Maybe five minutes, ten minutes, whatever, um, and then I'd go back to work to push through the rest of the day. And because of the quarantine, the shelter in place, every day at about two thirty, I hit the wall. But I go for a one, two, three, four mile walk. Mm. And today I did two miles. And as I was out at about the mile point thinking, oh, I should turn around and come back. I thought to myself, this is something that I've learned in this shelter in place that, that I want to keep. Mm. And I think some some of it is just seeing where God is... Uh, using in his sovereignty this tragic circumstance Mm. he is always weaving it together like one of my favorite illustrations i don't know if i came up with it uh just or if i stole it from somebody but that 
the will of God is like a, a sewing loom, mm. and the underneath it, all the the threads hanging down looks terrible. Yeah, and it's like we live underneath one, and the needles are coming down, and sometimes people are getting poked, and sometimes some idiot grabs the needle and pokes somebody else, and and you know, and then people haphazardly throw it up, and some people carefully put the needle back up and then God above it is weaving the whole thing into something beautiful there you go. that we won't see until the other side of eternity. There you go. Absolutely. And I don't know. Again, and and I, I'm looking at this and today I was like, you know, this is a gift God has given me that I learned this new rhythm. Mm. And I could say, I was just, I was, I was going to say I was happy, but I was joyful. I was just like, yeah. this is something new that I, I need to keep. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think um, uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit of that Corey Ten Boom poem, the, um, mm. the weaver, right? Um, yeah. you know, Is um, that where I stole it? <laughs> I, I feel like you made it better. It's, like, it's, <laughs> like, I don't think she's talking about getting poked with needles and stuff. Just like we can see yeah. the underside of this beautiful tapestry and God can see. That the- must be where I stole it. And then it just kind of kept expanding. That's, there you go. Corey Ten Boom. Corey now Ten I finally Boom. remember where I stole it from. You're going to get a, you you're going to get a total fist bump from Corey in heaven, man. She's going to, she's going to like that one. Um, I look, I, I think you've nailed it. And it's, it's remembering that in this space and in every space, space of our lives for God's people he plans to it's not cliche he intends to work this for our good he has something mm. good for his people in this and so he, this is where Christians can stare in the face of death and sing mm. right because we know that in every single thing we face in this life even the darkest things God intends to accomplish good for his people and bring glory to himself. And it just changes the question from, oh, why? To God, what? What is it you want to show me, do me, reveal to me about yourself? Because, I mean, every one of us know there is not coming a day on our calendar in eternity future, in a billion years from now, when we're standing face to face with our risen Jesus. And we look back on every single thing and even this this stupid time we find ourselves in right now of you know COVID-19. None of us want this. No one's picking this. But none of us are going to look back on this in glory and go, I don't know, Jesus. It feels like you shortchanged us. Feels like feels yeah, like that one was ball on this one. Feel like that one yeah, was yeah. wasted. Uh, everything else was pretty good, but that sucked. And and I don't know if this is all worth it. Like we will look back and go, oh, <laughs> that momentary light affliction. God intended mm. for Amen. <laughs> eternal Amen. glory. So. Amen. And that's probably the best way to end it, but I have a question I've been dying to ask you anyway. So it's, it's, I'm going to screw the whole thing up, and then hopefully someday in eternity we'll look back and say, Noel didn't screw this up. Jesus used this. Um, but you tweeted recently, and by the way, I love your social media, but you tweeted that you got a book deal. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I have no idea what you're, what are you writing on? So, like, I, I want everyone to know about this and, and seriously buy this book. I don't even know what it is. This is a man you want to learn from. So, what is the book on? Man, so um, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. So, this is something really dear to my heart. The working title right now is Living Theology. And, um, and so, looking at basically exploring how uh, right thinking about God is never meant to be an end in itself. Uh, It's meant to be a gateway, a doorway into deeper experiences of God. 
and, and often what can, uh, and, and the experience just being the Christian life, right? And so what can often happen is you can kind of have Christianity divide up into these two teams and you've got the thinkers uh, who, who uh, often you, you, like your reform type, uh, theologically driven, uh, they want to be they want to be faithful to the Bible, and this is good and right. And and sometimes they can look at these this other team, the feelers, and go, "You guys are thoughtless. You're you're biblically thoughtless." Um, and and oftentimes that assessment is correct. And then you can flip that, and the feelers uh, can you know these ones that are looking for an experience and creating experience and and experiencing God and and enjoying God and knowing God. And there's this very experiential. Uh, Christianity um, that can look at a lot of the theological types and and go, you're lifeless. Like, where's, where is the joy uh, of this God that you seem to know so much about? And oftentimes, they too are correct in their assessment. And so, so what I was wanting to do with this book was to basically work through um, the attributes of God in a way that showed how uh, each of these attributes are meant to, as we understand them, uh, take us deeper into a particular Christian experience. So, for example, the transcendence of God, the otherness of God. As we think about that rightly, biblically, that's meant to lead us into an experience of wonder. Um, as, as we dwell on the sovereignty of God, that's meant to lead us into an experience of assurance. Um, as we dwell on the faithfulness of God, when it comes to timing, that's meant to lead us into an experience of patience, you know, and so on and so forth. And so, so that's the idea is basically, um, uh, uh, yeah, a primer on the theological attributes of God there um, that, that's got a ton of experience and application for each of those attributes. I'm super excited. What is the tentative timeline for that to come out? Uh, we're looking at late next year, late 2021. Late, late 2021. Awesome. So we'll definitely have you back on to talk about that when you do that. But let me just say this. What you just described as your book thesis is what you just modeled for us in this podcast. What you modeled was a theological depth um, of understanding of the character of God and the nature of man and the nature of sin that necessarily leads to the, the uh, good theology and experience of joy. Mm. And so you just ex you just did what your book thesis is, um, <laughs> which makes it even more powerful for me because that means you're somebody who actually knows what you're talking about. Mm. Um, and speaking of knowing what you're talking about, I am going to use a photo of you that I'm going to steal off your social media <laughs> for this podcast for the graphic. And I want you to go look at it if you haven't seen the show notes. It is your son sitting on your shoulders watching you <laughs> preach. Um, and I, I'm going to use this picture because of what was happening. He was watching you preach at home. Yes. So you're watching yourself on TV like all pastors do right now, which is terrible, watching ourselves on TV with our family. But tell, tell everybody how old he is and what he was doing in that picture. He's five. Uh, he's a twin. He's got a twin sister. And just that particular Sunday, I decided to climb up onto my shoulders during the sermon on this lazy boy kind of recliner thing that I'm sitting in. And he's leaning back on the backrest and he's got his legs up over my shoulders, dangling over my shoulders. And my wife took a photo of this. Uh, and, and it was just like this, like, okay, this is, here is uh, shelter in place, self-isolation, worship life, family worship. Here it is in a, in a, in a picture. And then right after she took the picture, he farted. Like, he, 
he farted on my neck. Like I felt a little like of a uh, of pressure onto my neck, and it just felt like doesn't that sum up uh, COVID nineteen right there? I mean, a pastor being farted on on his neck mid sermon. It feels like it just sums up what a lot of us are, are going through right now. And that is 2020. That is 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Adam. Thank you for being somebody who brings joy to my life and and joy to your church. Thanks for naming your church Liberty and even uh, just the way you've led uh, God's people there. You're just so influential in in all that you're doing through Acts 29 and down in Australia. And I'm thankful to count you as a friend. And so uh, thanks for being on. I can't wait for the book. And uh, make sure you say hi to the wife and kids for me. I will. Thanks, my friend. Good to see you.